0: guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specify, the Building Materials Innovation Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are making a positive difference in the building materials, coatings, and construction industry. Each episode, will tap leaders and experts from inside and outside the industry to provide the mental tools, skills, and insights to make an impact. Today's guest is Mitchell Levy, TEDx speaker, international best-selling author with over 60 business books. He's a contributor at Entrepreneur Magazine and has provided strategic consulting to over 100 companies. Mitchell, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I was looking at our uh, LinkedIn sort of history between the two of us and it says that we were connected at September 4th, 2004. That was a long time ago.
1: That was. We, well, I was, I was one of the first 25,000 on LinkedIn. <laughs> and, uh, and we actually, as a publishing company, we've published over 850 books, but I'm proud to say that we published the first book ever on LinkedIn. Ah, so it's always fun to see the interaction of people and how people have transformed over time, and certainly how
0: this platform has changed since the early days. Absolutely, twenty-five thousand. Wow! I think oh, I, I'm trying to remember when I came in. It was it was definitely very close to the, the million mark, or slightly past, or slightly before. But but yeah, I mean, how did I mean that's that's really tight. Who got you into it? Well, so
1: I'm in Silicon Valley, yeah, I know right so I kind of want to I kind of want to say duh, but I don't want to be rude, so I don't mean that in that way. because when you're when you're in the valley and you network, mm-hmm. you're always hearing about latest and greatest stuff. And it's fascinating when you think about innovation, what seems obvious today is not always obvious, mm-hmm. right the, when Twitter Facebook, LinkedIn, there's all these stories of people who wouldn't invest. Early days, web sounded like a great idea, but they, you know, they didn't make it. So it's, it's always interesting to see what was clear to me. And I'll tell a story that I, I don't often tell in the, when I'm recording. What was clear to me is that LinkedIn was going to be successful. It just there wasn't really a business repository. Their resumes were really very archaic and still they are used today, but very archaic ways. And LinkedIn just seemed like a really beautiful approach. So I'm sitting in the room with the two founders, mm. Reed Hoffman and Konstantin Gerlich, and they, they agreed that we were going to do a book. And I think we had a price point of $2,500 at the time. So they agreed to pass $2,500. And I kind of knew, and this was about, I think this was after series B, this was before LinkedIn made any money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so the question, the question I had is, so guys, what do you want to write the book on? And they said, yes, exactly. What should we write the book on? I go, well, when do you think you're going to first make money? And they talk back and forth for a little bit. They come back, you know, this, this job search thing, this seems like it's going to be really important. I go, uh, sounds like a great idea. What are you going to charge? And at first, they were going to charge $75 for a job posting. That sounds fantastic why don't we create a book? We're going to call it Happy About LinkedIn for Recruiting. We're going to charge $75 for the book and it will come with a free job posting. Can you guys pull that off? And they said, yes. I said, great. So we actually wrote the book and we sold quite a few copies of those. And that was that first part of working with these guys. But, but here's, the, here's the point. So every now and then, you know something's going to be successful. And trust me, I knew that $2,500 was going to be pale in comparison to if they could pay me in any form of stock. So, you know, so I'm like, guys, how about, how about stock? I I don't want a check, just send me a check. And I had to get, I had to ask and get closed down three times before I said, okay, you could send me a check. (laughs) So at least I knew. (laughs) I don't feel bad. I'm not sitting back hitting myself saying, Oh, I wish I took the stuff, you know, (laughs) they didn't offer.
0: (laughs) So close. (laughs) Uh, That's that's great. I mean, yeah, you're, you're definitely very close to that. And I I remember, uh, you know, you helped us with our, our first book and, uh, you know, it was a great experience uh, working with you and you even got us a a glowing testimonial from uh, Steve Wozniak, the, uh, the co-founder of Apple and the inventor of the, uh, the personal computer. So, I definitely want to thank you for that. I mean, you're, you're very, very good at helping people get going on in books and thought leadership. So I just wanted to say that. Oh, my
1: pleasure. Oh, th- my pleasure. It was Waz taught me something really valuable. So can I, can I, yeah. can I tell you a small Waz story? <laughs> I love a so Waz story. So I, I, I saw him and I, and, and I, I can't remember, I, I'm kind of thinking this was the second book we did it on or it could have been the first. And anyhow, so I was talking to him. I said, Hey, would you like to do a would you like to do a testimonial? Here's the book, here's what we're focused on, blah, blah, blah. He goes, Oh man, Mitchell, I'd love to send it to me. So I I sent him the book. And then about a week later, he sent me an email back and says, I'm gonna do you a favor. He says, I'm an engineer. And you sent me the book. And if you Send me a book, and I'm an engineer. I'm going to have to read the entire book before I can do a review. So I'll never find time for it. I'm just not going to review it. Could you send me the table of contents and maybe a chapter? And I'm like, oh, that's really smart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and so because it, 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 what, what happens if, if you send somebody something they could wrap their arms around in about five minutes, they might actually do it. But if it's, if it's going to take a long period of time, they're, they're not going to do it. They, they could always ask for the book if they really wanted it. But it was, it, was, it, was, it was early on in my career, figuring out how to work with different people so you could press their easy button.
0: Yeah. And then you always had a, a, a whole bunch of people uh, willing to, to help out with reviewing books and sharing ideas. I remember in our process, you were connecting with the, the founders of this companies so or people that invented silicone chips or something like that. There's a whole bunch of people that you had around your organization. How'd you manage to do that? It's, one thing, I think locations are a very important element. Yeah. So being in Silicon Valley
1: and going to meetings, you just get to, you get to meet lots of great people. And that was during the time where you actually still, a lot of the time went to physical meetings. We still do the sort of thing. But nowadays, the, I'm typically in my office. I work out of my garage, by the way. So I've, I've been working out of my garage since 1997. And I'm in my office. I'm typically doing about 10 to 15 video calls a day. So it is so much more convenient and so much more focused. And, and so I'm still meeting the same very uh, cool and interesting people. I'm just doing it on a one-on-one session for 30 minutes by video. It's absolutely spectacular. And so the answer to your question is A, having access. And B, how do you get to have people who can do favors for you when you need them? Is you do favors for them when they need them first. Right? So one of the the successful habits of, of being in business is sort of being being a servant leader, which has really come into fashion. And to be able to do, to do things for others without asking for anything in return, gets them to look at you and go, oh, that's fascinating. Um, thank you. And at some point in time, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you. Right. And so, so it's basically giving away as, or, or doing as many favors as possible for people and and when you need to collect them in return, you, you make it as easy as possible to interact with them, and they're happy to accommodate.
0: Perfect. That makes a lot of sense. So, so when I think of you and in, in what you do, I, you know, the one sort of a few words that come to mind are thought leadership. You're kind of the expert of, of taking someone that's, that knows their stuff, and I guess in your words, I saw somewhere, and turning them into a guru. What does that process look like?
1: I don't know if my words were ever used the word guru, although some people use the words thought leader, guru. I today, I use the word recognize expert. I use those words synonymous. So the, yeah, the, it's interesting. Today, what people call me is a global credibility expert. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I like to do with those that I work with is find their, their inner joy, their inner passion, the thing that they get really excited about, and then just make sure, and by the way, hope, hopefully those the things they get excited about are things that they're actually doing for a business and making money on, mm-hmm. right? Because if those are not synonymous, those are typically not clients in life. I'm typically looking for, and I'll give you my pitch, and then I'll talk, talk about the details. I'm looking for busy, successful professionals who recognize the need for more credibility and they want to do it through a book, but they have no time. So what I tell them to imagine is four months from today, we will have ghostwritten, published, distributed, and made them an Amazon best selling author and they've, they've spent as little as five hours.
0: Yeah, I like that uh, value prop. And I think you have a, a unique way of approaching that on that. You know they've only spent five hours, which is probably applicable in other other industries and applications as well. What's that process look like?
1: So first, we define the concept of a book to be the type of content that people want to consume, and what people are consuming today: short sound bites, blog posts, and short sound bites. So our books have 120 pages. Our books are color on the inside. Our books are. Not just paperback, but they're also hardcover, Kindle, PDF. We also do audiobooks, right? So we put them in the format that people are consuming data. And on the inside, typically there are around seven blog posts and 140 bite sized quotes. So they're, imagine having social media memes, 140 of them, a half year worth of content. If you posted a social media meme every day, that's what we deliver, right? Which is really powerful. And how how it starts is really, this is where the, the, the real cool part comes in. At least, how about I say cool part for me, it's, it starts with a two or three hour interview. And what my superpower is, mm-hmm. is the ability to talk to somebody and pull out their genius. So it's about asking the right questions. It's about focusing on who the person I'm interacting with, who their clients are, what is the problem they're solving? What is the, the pain their customers are experiencing? When they think about the customer base they serve, who are they? What do they do? What do they need? And what happens is I spend two to three hours. It's a recorded conversation. And it's not recorded for anything other than our ghostwriters. And that conversation focuses on the person I'm talking with. It is one of the most amazing experiences Not just for me, but also for the other person, because most people in in life have not had somebody spend two to three hours focused on them, and we're basically focused on pulling out their expertise, their energy, their thought processes. What what would at the end of the day, when we close business these days, what we're doing is we're closing business with a handshake, we're closing business with a phone conversation, or closing business with a physical meeting, or we're closing business with a, a a Zoom conversation, video conference. And what happens is we close business if the person on the other side thinks that you, if you're, if you're the person selling the product or selling the service, that you can, you can actually solve the problem, solve the issue, deliver value to the person on the other side. So all I'm doing in the interview is I'm pulling out the expertise that would, that would make it easy for the person on the other side to, to lead themselves down the path to want to buy and then from there, I have a team. I've put them through... I, I'm a, if you remember, I'm a good process person. Mm-hmm. I, so are you, by the way. <laughs> so, so what happens is I've helped my team. We've created a writing school. And my team is continually looking for finding writers, putting through writing school, testing their capabilities, helping them grow. And so we find the best writer for this type of content, and then they actually write the manuscript. Hmm. after that everything is systematized so the author gets to review the content they get to update it. they give ideas for the cover some people have their own graphics people they want to create their own covers that's great inside the book we have images so a lot of times we let the author choose either stock photos that are available or provide photos for us that they want to use and so what happens is the I don't want to say aha moments, because the book's filled with 140 aha moments, but really those, those times which are really so powerful, and you remember this from, the times that are powerful for the author is the first time they see their manuscript, mm-hmm. right? If you write it yourself, it's not as valuable because it's because you're writing it. But if, if all of a sudden what happens is somebody's ghostwritten it and it comes back and you start reading, you go, oh my God, right? And, and we typically, we're about 80 to 90% good. I still want the author to go in and make updates. Because otherwise, it, you got to have that personal touch to it. We, we may get really close, but I need the author to do a little bit. The second time that's really powerful is when they see the book in PDF format, when it's laid out, and they go, oh, my God, that's great. And then our authors go nuts when they get their physical book in their hands. <laughs> and then, actually, one of the things that's new these days with all the books that we're publishing it was. we're also bundling in an Amazon bestseller campaign. So what happens is we then pick a day in which we're going to drive the book into being an Amazon bestseller because that's a title that one can use for the rest of their lives. And so it's also on that day or the day after when the author goes, oh my God, you, you made me an Amazon bestseller. And it's one of those beautiful things, and then, and then, by the way, the, the fifth time people get excited, it's sort of the conversation you and I had a couple of weeks ago when you said, "Hey, Mitchell, you know, it's been about a decade since you published my book, and can I tell you the value it's brought to our lives?" <laughs> and and it's to me, I love each of those. It never gets. I've published over eight hundred and fifty books. It never gets humdrum. It's always fun to see the the excitement that the author gets, and and this concept called a book, now we'll go back to your original question, it is the best form of credibility on the market today. It is the best, even though anyone can create a book, even though it's very democratized in terms of what people could do. At the end of the day, if you have a book that talks about the types of things you do to serve your client base... And you hand that to a prospect. So this is what typically, this is the coolest part. I, when we write a book, what I'll ask somebody is, what is your prospect? What is your CPOP? What is your customer point of pain?" And so we create a book that the title of the book is the CPOP that they solve for somebody else. And so if you do a book that solves the CPOP and then you see somebody in a room and they talk about a particular issue or they say, who are you? What have you done? oh, I'm the Amazon best-selling author of the book, and then you name your book. And if the book, the title of the book is something they need to solve themselves, like, oh, I should talk to you. <laughs> and, and there's nothing better in the world for doing that. And, and for me, what I'm doing with, with uh, individuals and companies is I'm, I'm helping them focus on the key areas that will help bring in new business. And a book is just one of those most amazing credibility tools to do that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, your, your passion is big on this and you've definitely, uh, you know, you're working in an area that you love. So it certainly shows in, in this process that you, you talk about documenting and, and sort of getting the ideas out of the entrepreneur's head, that, that's applicable to many other things as well. Because like how many times is an idea from an innovator or entrepreneur sitting in their head and you know, their, their company isn't sort of systemized because everything sits in the, in the head of, of someone else. Maybe this process is applicable to that as well. I would say, so, so I'm going to say yes and. <laughs> 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 A lot of
1: times, this is the interesting part about your audience, so you, you gotta tell me what you think. A lot of times, and having been in Silicon Valley, lots of people think their ideas are phenomenal. And by the way, many, people's ideas are phenomenal, and many people's lives are phenomenal. That said, an idea that's not executed is not an idea at all. And so I may see 5 or 10 ideas. I may see 5 or 10 books on a topic. It has nothing to do with the, the idea or the topic. What it really has to do with is execution. At the end of the day, your job, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an innovator, is to figure out how to take those ideas, bring them to market, execute in such a way where you could actually prove the viability, then figure out how to break, make it more mass scale.
0: Absolutely. So what's, what's the sort of best execute example of execution you've seen? Hmm. God, it's such a broad, super, super, super broad question. What comes to mind when you think of beautiful execution, it could be an entrepreneur, it could be a company, it could be a, a book that you worked on. Like what's, what just was bang on? Oh, there's
1: by the a great question, by the way. I like things that change the world. Yeah. I probably, if it, since I put it that way, I'm going to say Amazon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, in 1996, I was still working for Sun Microsystems. I was doing volunteer work for an organization called CommerceNet, which was one of the leading nonprofits pushing e-commerce in the marketplace. I was asked to pull together people to speak at a conference and I invited this guy. He was sort of making a little bit of noise. Nobody thought the company would make it. They just got series B and it was a company called Amazon. And I asked <laughs> Jeff Bezos if he'd speak at the conference. So nobody really knew who he was at the time. And, and if you were in, in the market and an investor, you kind of said, God, this guy's tackling books. Why the hell is he tackling books, right? So I sat down with, with Jeff for about 20, 25 minutes before his talk and just sat in the bench and he was sitting there by himself and I asked him if he'd mind if we chatted and we chatted and, and it, was really, it was really fascinating because he, he painted the game plan for where he was going. And so, you know, I had to ask the obvious question, why books? and and uh, his response was very telling. He goes, simply, it's one of the most messed up industries there are. I don't care about books. What I care about is inefficiency. And what happens is when we solve this level of inefficiency, what we put together and the platforms and the systems we put together to solve this inefficiency, we're going to sell that back as well. So he didn't talk about AWS. Right. But essentially, because he didn't even have the name for that in place, but in essence, the service that he that they have today is a byproduct of him just executing on a vision. And that's delivering and, and dealing using the internet. Cause he wasn't new. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he basically everything he did was something that was publicly available in the marketplace. What he did differently is he had a strong vision. He was able to convince people to put money in his vision. And when they kept telling him, hey, I want you to make money, I want you to make money, I want you to make money, he kept saying, no, it's not time yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We need to build infrastructure. We need to build awareness. We need to build the more people, more customers, more utilization. We need to ha- get bigger until at what point in time they turned the actual revenue generator on and he ultimately came, became the richest man in the world. Right. That's, I can't imagine if you're going to tell me execution that I've personally seen, that's probably be the number one.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, you took a lot of flack over a lot of years, right? In terms of before it became sort of a giant to, to be able to sort of stick to that vision. That's uh, very impressive. Yeah. I mean, you remember that, right? It
1: was, yeah. there's a point in time where everyone kept saying, oh, God, that's a stupid company. They're going to go away. <laughs> I think they said that about Apple too before Jobs came back. I, I think so.
0: That's, that's, a, that's a very interesting thing. Now you, you've been at this thing for, for a while and you've been building this stuff up. At what point did it sort of transform for you? Like, you know, this book business or your, your life or your career with all this stuff. When did you know you just kind of had it and you, you knew enough and you were sort of kind of on a steep upward trajectory?
1: There are two major things points in my life i'll spend most of my time on the second but i'll do the first the first was in 1997 it was uh, two years into the dot-com days and i i left corporate so at the time uh, in 1997 i was working for some microsystems i was running the e-commerce component of some supply chain which was three and a half billion and i just this e-commerce stuff was too cool and i wanted to be an e-commerce consultant so i put up i put up the shingle saying i was a strategic consultant on the, e commerce and I've not looked back. And that was that was a beautiful time for me because I since then I've worked out of my garage and I've I've really crafted the life and helped so many hundreds of thousands of people. It's been beautiful. So that was that was one, but but let me tell you the most recent. So between two thousand five when we started the publishing company and two thousand seventeen, I published a little over eight hundred books and what i could say is between that time frame i was serving the wrong audience mm. and so 2018 is kind of when i or at the end of 2017 and then now 2018 is when i kind of came into the audience and and you could say well why did it take you so long and and the reason it took so long is i always thought the audience i wanted to serve was me mm. i always thought that i what i was trying to do is if i could build a product that i would enjoy and I always thought the product I wanted was, how do I make it easier for me to write books? Because right, if it's easier for me to write books, then other people are going to write books easier as well.
2: Mm.
1: And what happened is, at the end of 2016, I did a Kickstarter. I don't know if I hit you up for that one or not. And it hit 250% of goal. Mm. So to give you a hint, if, you, if you're going to be doing Kickstarters or, or crowdfunding campaigns, how do you, how do you become successful? You take a product or service you actually give in today's world and you offer it at a discount. So, as part of the 250% of goal, we had 20 people who said they would actually, when they write their books, we would publish it.
2: Hmm.
1: Right. And that was just part of the Kickstarter. What I was doing is I have a platform called AHA That. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as an aside, AHA That has 50,000 AHA messages. So, if you're looking for content to share on social media, It is free to use, free to share. We have 50,000 messages. If you're on content, go to AHA, A-H-A-T-H-A-T.com. What we were doing is the Kickstarter was to automate the actual automatic sharing of a book on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And And one of the prizes was you write your book, we publish. So let's fast forward. The end of 2017, I had done a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And in my preparing for the TED Talk, so if, you, if you're curious about that, it's Mitchell Levy TED Talk. And it's the I'll give you the summary of the TED Talk. It's kind of how do we survive the transition from the industrial age to the social age?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the answer is we do business with those that we know, like, and trust. So it just talks about how do you be known, how do you be liked, how do you be trusted? You just Google Mitchell Levy TED Talk, and that'll bring up that, that TED Talk. So in preparing for the TED Talk, I started thinking I started thinking about the world in a different way, opening up my mind, thinking about different things. And at the same time, a year had gone by since the Kickstarter. And I looked at the number of people who wrote their book. We at the stage is we, we actually had a three-step process that would allow somebody to write their book in eight hours. Twenty people paid us. And when I looked at the end result, two actually wrote their book one year later. Okay. I was appalled. Appalled, right? You know, I'm talking to people. Everyone had a good excuse. So I went to five of them and said, hey, what if I, what if I wrote it for you? Just pay me cost. <laughs> One of them said yes. And, and so then we wrote it. And so now I say three people wrote their book. Still appalling. <laughs> so then I went to my friends in the internet marketing space, you know, the online marketing space. I went to my friends in the online learning space and to make matters worse, they told me something that just was devastating. I mean, this was generally a very consistent response. Are you ready? By the way, you're going to feel bad about this as well. <laughs> I told him what was going on. I said three out of 20 actually do it. It basically means 17 people couldn't find eight hours in a 12-month period to do something they paid for that would be beneficial for them. So here's what the guys from the the marketing world and the online learning world said, "They so, Mitchell, do you realize that three out of twenty is fifteen percent, and a fifteen percent utilization rate is fantastic?" Yep, I was appalled. <laughs> so, so what happened is, I then said, "Hey, I got to change my business model." Yeah, I, I mean, I, and we still publish. If somebody writes a book, I have three different publishing companies we can publish your book. But my business model at the moment is I spent 2018 building up the processes. I, I built the school, I built the I built the ability for us to be able to ghostwrite for others because I don't want, I, there's still seven, I think we're now down to like 15. I think two other people got their books and there's still 15 people who haven't written their books yet that at some point in time, they go, here it is. Are you going to publish? And I, of course I'm going to publish, but I feel uncomfortable that they sol- I sold them something and they didn't use it. And so now, if, if you buy into our package, we will write the book for you. You will have a book. You still have to say yes, that you want us to publish, <laughs> right? But it'll be done. I know that we'll deliver. And, and, and I have to tell you... Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll give you one last thing to wrap up. Patrick. what's very cool, now that I know my audience, it is very easy to find people who are partners of mine so we could deliver more value. Yeah. And it's, it's just, uh, I'm having fun every day.
0: Well, oh, that's awesome. Because we were the ones that wrote the book, right? I remember like when we were writing the book, we invested about an hour and a half, maybe three to four times a week for a year and a half to get that book. So I guess we're on the other side of the stat. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a lot of work. Oh, no, well, it's good. Oh, it, it's good. First of all, it takes a certain personality type to actually sit down and execute and to do something very methodically for a year and a half. Right. And, and trust me, there are people who do that and there are people who can get that done. A lot of times though, what happens is people will write a book and then when they're done, the good news, you guys wrote a book that you could actually use to help grow your business. Yeah. Sometimes people write books and by the time they're done writing, it has nothing to do with what they're doing today and the book is no longer valid. Mm. Right. And so that's where the, Having a book done in four months it's it's a whole lot
0: easier. <laughs> well, well, it makes sense because I think in many different companies when you're trying to trying to get new innovation adopted, I mean, you just gotta make it as easy as possible because if not, trying to expect the partners to sort of help with the adoption process without you sort of helping them as much as possible is kind of a can be a losing proposition, right? If you don't provide the mm. necessary tools. And I think that's what you're doing, right? Closing the gap.
1: Oh, and, and now I'm even... So my latest innovation, can I share? Oh, absolutely. So given that I know the audience is people who, who want to have the book written for them, and I realize how powerful a book is, and I realized that the most important thing one can do in life is actually talk to other people about what they're doing, and, but you don't always want to sound like a salesperson. Mm. I came up with a new innovation. Okay. And it's the concept of automating an anthology book. Okay. So an anthology book, Patrick, is when you have... And I'm just going to use the, the number 40. But when you have 40 contributors to a book, yeah. it could be 10, it could be 40, right? And so what I had built is I had built software now that it is very easy for the author. So it's a primary author who's, the, who's collecting everyone's stories, whether it's a story or three or four aha messages or a 500-word article, right? the person who's collecting the stories, we created software that would make it easy both to collect the content, and then my team does the back-end work, as well as to collect money. So, so now what happens is the people I'm working with are people who have networks. And those networks are people who are all in their network trying to solve a issue. For instance, if we did something, how do you be innovative in a sheet manufacturing company and if you had 40 people contribute to a book they can contribute both money and content here's what's really fascinating with the people that we work with we're helping them get a book we're also helping them create a journey so not only are they immediately profitable on the book because people are paying it typically what happens i split profit 50 50 with the person i'm working with so not only are they making money but also, they're, they're actively engaging in a journey with their prospects. And so what I often say is the journey can be, hey, you're going to make money. And the journey is going to be potentially more important than the destination, the book at the end. And so you know the phrase where people say it takes money to make money? Mm-hmm. With this particular innovation,
0: you make money to make money.
1: <laughs> it's kind of
0: cool. It is. I like it. So you got all these processes in place. You're doing a, you've are got lots of these projects on the go. What are sort of habits or routines that sort of keep you focused and on track? I would say,
1: stop me anytime, but we'll do the most important. Number one is you, you actually have to listen, hmm. right? So you, you go to your... If you have clients, you go to your existing clients and you go, hey, what do you need that you don't have today? If you don't have clients... You could do something like in the anthology book, right? Because you want to be an expert in a space, talk to 40 people about a very focused topic. <laughs> All right, you'll have expertise. <laughs> so we do an anthology book or figure out how you can get to people who look and smell like your clients and talk to them and ask them what they need. Not, and here's the important part, you have to be somebody who could ask questions like you do or like I do. You have to be open-minded. You have to listen to the answer. Don't try to screen the answer around what you want to do, but truly ask. And number one habit: going to people who can be your prospects and seeing whether or not they are. And by the way, you can easily do it wrong. And I'm an example of somebody who did it wrong between 2005 and 2017. So I hopefully I won't have that such a long period before I morph again. So that's that's a really important habit. Second is, whenever humanly possible, create a system and automate, create a system, automate, and get out of the way, right? So if there's something you do on a consistent basis that doesn't necessarily require you, or you could put in a little bit of you in the AI-type interface, and then have it where it's not required for you to be part of the process, you got to pull yourself out. And, and to me... What I like doing is it, once I find the client base I'm going after, I'll do the first process myself, I'll set up a system and process in place, and then I'll hire people to then execute for them then on in. And that to me is a habit that's worked for me. And then, you know, it's the, the make money to make, mo- to make money to make money or the rinse and repeat. It's what you do to try to continually make money based on a previous investment. Those are probably the first two. I think, I think the the third one, every day, and this is something that I didn't get until I left corporate. Every day I do, I I live, I breathe, I act the way I want to be. There's no pretenses. Right? What when I say the words we do business with those that we know, like, and trust. I'll tell you what trust is comprised of, and I live and breathe those attributes with every interaction. In order for somebody to trust you, you have to be vulnerable, you have to demonstrate integrity, and you have to demonstrate authenticity. Mm. And to me, with every interaction I have, those things come out. If I don't know something, I'll say I don't know, and I don't care, right? I just, I don't know. And if somebody says, well, that's I need to move on. I'm like, okay, come back when you're ready, right? Or something else. If integrity is simply when you say you're going to do something to do it. And, and authenticity is just truly being you with every interaction. And I think if I'm thinking about the three things that I, that I do, it's, it's listening extremely well. It's setting up a process and automating and getting me, myself out of the equation whenever possible so I can work on the business, not in the business. And then it's the component of being yourself, not putting on an, uh, an extra mask and pretending you're somebody else, but really being you.
0: Great. Sounds, sounds like a plan. Is there anything I should have asked you but didn't?
1: Well, my favorite is question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do a
1: podcast called Thought Over Your Life. We've done 153 of those. That's always, that's always my question at the end, yeah. right? So thank you. <laughs> Hmm. The, the only thing I'd say, if, if this is interesting to you, I, I, do you mind if I answer the question on how people could reach out? Sure. Absolutely. I'll do it that way. I, I'd say the, and then I could add a little bit to what does it mean to, to an innovator. But if you're interested in anything you heard, feel free to connect to me on social. The best website to go to is MitchellLevy360.com. So that's my name, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name L-E-V-Y 360.com, MitchellLevy360.com. And you could set up an appointment on my calendar. If you're thinking about you need a book and does it make sense, you could follow me on social media. You could watch a video on customer testimonials. Everything's compact in one place. And I'm, I'm happy to hear more and learn more. But if the first thing you're, you're going to say is, hey, Mitchell, before I can talk to you, you got to sign an NDA, do you, please don't set up time in the calendar. We, we, we just, it's just not something that makes a lot of sense. So when you're ready to talk, I'm ready to listen. The, I'd say probably, if there's one thing I'll say for innovators, and one thing I'll say about the world today, the world has changed. Everyone who, wants a microphone has one available. Everyone who needs a camera because they want people to see them has a camera. Anyone who wants to be that credible expert can easily make that happen. And you're seeing people who are not born out of the three old TV channels or the, the six old publishing companies. You're seeing people born because they're using social media tools and other platforms to to basically get ex- get people excited about who they are and what they do. It's never nowadays just about the idea. It's you got to have a platform. People need to see you. To be successful you have to be known, liked and trusted. People need to see you, whatever that may mean. And the important part, it's never about just the idea, it's about the execution of the idea. So if you really are an introverted innovator, please connect Yourself with somebody who is the opposite. Because it's about the platform, it's about utilization, it's about execution, it's about having the world see, like, trust what you're doing, and just having that word of mouth marketing expand what you do to be successful in today's world. And so take a look at the team, whether it's a team of one or a team of a number, and make sure you've got a good complement of people, and particularly the type of people who talk to, interact, and are respected by the audience you serve.
0: Mitchell, that's very good advice and thanks for coming on the show.
1: (laughs) My pleasure, Tatsu. Thanks for having me. I I appreciate that giving the chance to sort of wrap up at the end. I'll have to re-listen to that. It sounded pretty
0: good. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify. And I also want to thank the listeners specifically that are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please forward it along and send me a note or drop me a comment if you have any feedback or suggestions. Talk to you soon.